Hey, what up fam? It's your boy Norm. I would like to welcome you to episode 93 of the Evangelical Norm. Once again, here we are with no intro video. I've been trying to work on those off and on through the week. Um, harder than I expected it to be. Um, a little more, I've been downloading apps and different things, trying to find an easy way to make them, and um, really, there's no easy way to make them. I've got the music set, I've got everything, I've got permission from guys who have said I could use uh, beats off of their albums and stuff like that, so I think I've got some really cool music set aside for them, now I'm just a matter of getting them done. So, hopefully, next week, um, I will have... Actually, hopefully by Wednesday, I'm hoping to have at least the Persecuted Church uh, intro done by Wednesday, and then we'll hopefully by next weekend when we do, you know, Faith and Beliefs Refuted and the next uh, Evangelical Norm episode, um, which is going to get a new subtitle. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We are going to... Um, actually kind of change the title of this. So everything's going to fall under the um, umbrella of the the evangelical norm, um, and we're going to give uh, subtitle names to all the different uh, features that we're doing. So stay tuned for that. But, uh, of course, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the fact that the Mueller report has come out, and... Um, apparently has found no evidence of collusion, which has obviously made uh, this president very ecstatic, which we can see from the tweets that he's putting out. Um, honestly, I, I, I can't say that I've seen a whole lot of his tweets since Thursday evening, because um, I've been kind of spending the days, uh, took a couple of days off from work, um, spent a couple of days with my daughter, did not do a whole lot on social media on either Thursday or Friday, um, and actually even Saturday, um, spent part of the day with a friend, um, who had just come out of Mormonism, had lunch with him, spent the morning with my wife and daughter cleaning up the house a bit, um, tried to go rent a car for my wife, didn't work, um, and then we went and signed to the Spider-Verse. No, we did that on Friday. Then we went to dinner, you know, just spent time with the family and not a lot of time on social media, which has been kind of a, um, a nice break. So, but obviously Trump is, is tweeting the things that Trump usually tweets. I don't know how many people he's called names in the last little bit, but uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, and just kind of see where this goes as we, um, as we flesh it out, but Ice T, um, again, I don't, I, I don't follow him on on Twitter, which I probably should. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I've always been a pr pretty big fan of Ice T. Um, I think he's a great actor. He's grown into his ability to act. Obviously, back in the day with uh, Breaking, um, good rapper. Not the best acting skills, but he's grown into it, and he's become a really good actor. Um, probably one of my favorites. Uh, still, uh, I don't know if he's released any music. Obviously, um, it has been 
years since I've really listened to anything new on the secular scene. So I don't know if Ice-T's put any albums out or anything like that. But that's all uh, neither here nor there. But he tweeted on the 14th of March something that uh, I've been thinking about quite a bit. And it... Yeah, it just makes sense. He he tweeted, and it's a like in type uh, font. Um, Social media has made too many of you comfortable with disrespecting people and not getting punched in the mouth for it. And so, thinking about that over the last few days, and you know, just kind of looking at the way that Donald Trump tweets, and I mean, just the way that we treat each other on social media. Um, I mean, I'll admit, I freely admit that I am uh, a troll in the essence, in the sense of Planned Parenthood, um, any of like the, the Shout Your Abortion crew, a lot of atheists. I even got into it a little bit with uh, David Silverman, Mr. Atheist Pants over the last couple of days. Um, I will, I will respond to their tweets, and sometimes it's kind of snarky and so on, but I try not to be outright disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, define disrespectful. So when Cecile Richards tweets something, or Dr. Lena Wynn, the new president of Planned Parenthood, or Planned Parenthood, or that Amelia Bonow, or whatever her name is, who is the shout your abortion lady, um, when they tweet things that are just absolutely tone deaf uh, to what's going on in the world, then I will, I mean, I will post comments about you murder babies, uh, you know, you're advocating for the murder of children, and so on. Some people are going to look at that and see it as disrespectful. Here are things that I will not do. I will not call people names. I think, and as I look back, I think I did a little bit when Donald Trump first was uh, in the primaries, running for the the nomination for the Republican Party. I think I probably responded to a few of his, you know, talking about Little Marco or Lion Ted or any of those things. I think once or twice I did. Uh, you know, I mean, if you want to go search through my tweets. Uh, knock yourself out but once or twice I probably called him little Donnie or something like that and then it just never sat right with me so I do my best even with you know guys that I respect like Steve Dace and stuff and stuff like that uh, where they will call Hillary Killary Obama Obummer um, you know some of the things Ditch McDonald um Sorry, I should really turn down the volume on my phone. And so those things don't sit well with me, but okay, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to do it, but I can kind of to a point understand why they do. But we get way too ugly with each other on social media. Um, again, I do my very best to... And, and sometimes, you know, emotions or whatever will get the better of me. But I do my very best to uh, be snarky to the point, um, 
you know, cultural arsonist kind of stuff. I mean, I have no problem with starting fires or even starting fights. Um, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to degrade you. I'm not going to call you names. I'm not going to, you know, make ugly statements. I mean, I have looked at, and a lot of these, and they're on both sides. Honestly, it's on both sides. It's on the right. It's on the left. Uh, I mean, just horrible things where people will post something and someone will come in. You know, we'll say something about being pro-life or something. And you'll see somebody from the left come in and say something like, I hope your daughter gets raped or I, I hope, you know, you should kill yourself or all these different things that will be said. And I mean, they're just absolutely ugly. And then you get people on the right who say some of the same ugly, nasty, even racist things. Um, and the racist things come from the left, too. I mean, racism, um, sexism, any of those things aren't confined to one political sphere or another. We see them on both sides. So, but there, there really is. I mean, the fact that we can we're able to have these conversations uh, through a computer screen where we do not have to see each other face to face where there's, you know, <laughs> we did um, with the company that I work for, we, I went through a sales class, which I still say is one of my um, favorite classes that I've gone through, but we went through the sales class and did a lot of role playing and one of the things that they made us do when we before we went into the role play is uh because people get nervous and so on is put our arms up in the air and and say i'm in no physical danger here and so and which is supposed to make it easier to role play i've never had an issue role playing acting doing any of those things it doesn't bother me i don't you know i would be a liar if I didn't say I didn't get nervous in, in performances and stuff, but it doesn't affect me. But again, I digress um, into rabbit trails. And uh, but in social media, we find ourselves in these places where I'm in no physical danger here. I can sit right here on my little computer and I can type up whatever it is I want to say, and I am in absolutely no physical danger. Um, I mean, I've even gone as far as pulling the Tony Stark and going, here's my address, dude. You know, you want to come have a conversation with me face to face? Let's do it. But again, recognizing that this guy is probably, you know, 18 states away, four or 5,000 miles on the other Christ, on the other side of the continent. And uh, I'm not ever going to run into the dude. So we, with the anonymity that the internet gives and just the, the safety, uh, of our, you know, our basements or whatever, wherever it is, you know, mom's basement or whatever, um, studio apartment, you know, four, five star hotel, wherever it is that you're tweeting from, you know, if it, whether it's in the oval office or, or mom's basement, there's a safety that is there that has caused people to be absolutely ugly towards each other. And Ice-T's right. I mean, half of the things that are, are said, people should probably be punched in the mouth for it. And that would, if there were a physical danger, 
I think that would likely change the tone that we see going back and forth on uh, on social media. Because I do see that in um, real life instances of evangelism. And that's the, where I wanted to go into as well. You know, we, we find ourselves on social media. We'll get into, I mean, and we'll get into it with, I mean, I've watched with leaders in evangelicalism going at each other. Um, whereas I really firmly believe that if they were sitting in a room together, the, the discourse would be different. Um, I've watched and seen friends of mine who interact with, with LDS people online um, completely different than when they interact with LDS people face-to-face. And it is the, <laughs> I guess, the, the possibility of physical altercation that or where you have to look in someone's eyes and and see the offense that you may cause that causes people to um, change the way they converse Um, and so and this past Thursday night at the LDS temple we were out there and and I saw this um, not not specifically because again I was out there with 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 friends of mine, Logan and Aaron and Blake and and, and a few other guys that I, I don't know really well, but some that I know really well. Um, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, saying that these guys specifically do this um, because I've never seen Logan interact with somebody online uh, with an LDS person or you know anyone else online. Um, I've I've seen a couple of instances of Aaron not necessarily interacting with people um, of false religions, but interact with other people. And he's very, Aaron's very respectful on social media and so on. Um, I've never seen him act ugly or or just mean. But I, I really did. When I left the temple, there were a couple of conversations that just didn't sit right with me because it felt like rather than being willing to cause some offense and um, get to the place where we talk about the the defining differences between Mormonism and uh, biblical Christianity and you know, kind of making some lines of demarcation of going, you know, you, this is the red line you can't cross. Um, we, the conversations were far too much into what, what did it, what is it that we have in common? And I really felt like some of the conversations were left, um, one in particular that left the young lady walking away thinking that, we were in agreement on essential issues. And I kept trying to bring about, you know, talk about, okay, here are the, the, the big things that divide us, the nature of Christ, um, the, the gospel of, of works versus uh, grace alone, and so on. And 
of course it was like they didn't want to have these conversations with me because the conversations that they were in with other people um, were very non-confrontational and were comfortable and really didn't cause and I, I choose I, I want to choose my words carefully because again all of these guys are great evangelists and they all have their own way of doing it and I don't want to say um, that my way is better than their way um, but I think that and we talked about this in the, in the truck coming home and so this is not anything that is a uh, um, you know out of the blue that I'm you know condemning them or, or anything like that but uh, I think the, the conversations uh, can move too slowly to the point where we never get to the the conflict and there has to be conflict um, I mean it doesn't have to be ugly conflict when I start a conversation with with a Mormon I always try to start with the first vision and lay a, a, a baseline you know framework of, of where our conversation should sit. And so I immediately go to what did Jesus supposedly the, the Mormon Jesus say to Joseph Smith in the recorded first vision. And he said to him that all religions are false. Their creeds are an abomination and the professors of which are corrupt. So the whole existence of the Mormon religion is based on the the predication that all, all other religions are false and our creeds are an abomination and those of us who profess those creeds are corrupt. And so if I can start there with the fact that you think I'm wrong, you don't think that, you know, it's not that I have a part of the truth or a little bit of the truth and you have the whole truth. You think I'm wrong. Your religion exists upon the, the fact that my creeds are an abomination and I, as their professor, am corrupt. Those are very harsh words. And I think when we can start there, then we can get away from this facade that we actually have anything in common. Because we don't. We, we believe in different Christs. We believe in different Gospels. Uh, we believe in different gods. And in that... Every single one of those people is bound for hell if they do not repent and put their faith and trust in the true Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God incarnate, the, uh, the physical representation of God in the flesh, Emmanuel, Jehovah, Elohim, you know, pick a name, ego I me. I, the great I am, all of these names apply to God the Father and to Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And so, again, not, not expecting them to have an absolute, you know, mathematical comprehension of who the Trinity is and how the Trinity works, but a denial of the multi-God, polytheistic, um, works-based gospel of Mormonism that has to be rejected and then we have to get them I mean I don't again I don't expect Mormons to immediately because I didn't immediately believe in the Trinity either or understand the Trinity I still don't fully comprehend the Trinity and I never will because he's God 
but we have to come we I, I can't imagine it and again I welcome comments I'm, I mean if you can I, I, I stand in the place of Martin Luther if you can convince me by plain reason and by scripture then I'm willing to look at that but until then my my conscience is held captive by the Word of God and I fully believe that we can't we don't find anything in common I would never have a, a conversation with a Muslim and say let me find the things we have in common I mean I don't even go to the point where and I used to do this but I don't do it anymore and it's been a long time since I've had a conversation with a Muslim but I used to refer to Jesus as Esau which is the the Arabic name for Jesus um, because in that conversation with a Muslim when you're talking about Esau it carries a um, predetermined uh, characteristics of who they believe Esau is he's not the son of God he is not who was not crucified um, there are different you know schools of, of thought and and legends and traditions in Islam that one that uh, Jesus caused his likeness to be put upon Judas and that Judas was actually the one who was crucified um, so again I would not I don't even go to that point anymore of trying to find the common ground and again there are going to be people who disagree with me but um, we we have to look at truth and if we're trying to find common ground in a false Christ and a false gospel and in an absolute false religion it doesn't do us any good because what happens is once we I mean we we if we try to um, you know bring them in with honey what you win them what you what you bring them with you have to you have to keep them with and so as soon as we turn that corner the the offense is going to be there you know no matter how much you try to butter them up to soften the blow the offense is still going to be there once you turn the corner and you get to the point where we have to go now let's look at the things that we don't have in common and the things that divide us and the things that make it to where you are actually not christian the things that that put you in danger of being one of the people that matthew records that jesus spoke of in in matthew's gospel that will say to him on that day lord lord did we not cast out demons did we not perform miracles did we not do these things in your name and he's going to look at them and say depart from me you workers of iniquity i never knew you why would we try to To butter anybody up I, I, it's the best terminology I can think of I can't think of anything else it just doesn't sound weird but we try to butter them up to the point you know it's a, again the whole concept of one thing that I, 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 I hate this saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care because that's not a a worldview that we use with like the news or anybody else you know when you go to the doctor you don't I mean when he's giving you any kind of diagnosis, you're not going, well, you know, Doc, I, I really don't feel like I, you know me well enough to tell me that I have cancer. You know, 
you haven't shown, uh, you know, any, you haven't, you know, come and hung out at my house and, and you haven't been my friend for a long time. We go to the doctor to receive truth, you know, take tests and data and so on and to give us truth. And as evangelists, I don't think we can um, sugarcoat anything in the attempt to, you know, it's not a a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Um, We have to get to the point as soon as possible. Um, Now, again, we don't do that in a jerky way. I mean, I don't want us to be President Trump and start calling people names. We're not the Westboro Baptist Church, but neither are we... um, Universalist Joel Osteen's I just want everybody to like me false teachers we are bearers of God's good news which also carries with it God's bad news but the the gospel that bears the weight and when we are dealing with people of false religions or even you know atheists and stuff like that we don't need to look for, and again, my opinion, show me where I'm wrong. We don't need to look for the things we have in common. Now, I know that Jesus spoke in parables and stuff like that, but when, um, you know, when Paul went out and, and did evangelism, when, when, uh, when Philip or any of the other people that we see recording, we don't see, um, I don't see at least where there is, and if you can show me, again, send me the scripture, and, and, and I'll admit I'm wrong if you can show me, but I don't see where we're trying to find this common ground. When Jesus went to the woman at the well, you know, I mean, he had a conversation with her, but when, you know, when she, when he said, go get your husband, that was a, a specific, you know, I mean, he, he said, you know, can I, can you draw me some water? And she says, how do you ask me? And, you know, we talked, they talked about, and, but he got to the point. He got immediately to the point. Um, you know, your husband isn't, the man you live with is not your husband. You've had five husbands and the guy you live with right now, and he, he pointed out her sin. Um, he got to the point, Zacchaeus, you know, he, he got to the point. He said, you know, come down, we're going to your house. And, um, you know, in these different places, he got to the point. It wasn't that he was trying to find the common ground initially of, you know, the things. And, and there were very much things. I mean, he is Jewish and most of these people that he dealt with were Jewish. But he laid out the fact that the the law is being fulfilled in me and your sinners in need of a savior kind of thing. And so all in all, all this to try to wrap all this up together. Um, I think what I'm trying to say is we have to find a way to immediately. Um, and without any, I mean, intentional disrespect because I don't consider it disrespect to tell somebody that they're wrong I don't you know when I deal with uh, you know people I know who are are gay or LGBT or any of those things I do not consider even though they do 
I do not consider disrespect to call them to repentance. When I've interacted with Jay Givens, when I've interacted with Vicki Beeching, when I've interacted with any of these different people, when I interact with atheists, or you know, even in the time that I interacted with Stephen, uh, with Richard Dawkins, you know, um, there was no intentional disrespect, and I don't think that telling them that they're wrong is disrespectful. But we don't call them names. Um, we're not immediately, you know, just saying all of you are going to burn in hell because we're there to offer what Jesus offers, you know, to say you can repent. That if without repentance, this is the, the ultimate place you're going to end up. But we don't just say you're going to hell like the Westboro Baptist Church and leave it there. You know, I have never in any of my times of following and watching the Westboro Baptist Church, I've never seen them call anybody to repentance. They just go out with condemnation. And we can find a, a happy medium where we are giving the truth without absolute condemnation, but without... Um, without sugarcoating it, without trying to make the, the truth seem somehow more palatable by wrapping it in things we, we may have in common. You know, and even if that means that we don't get the conversation that we want. Um, I think far too often we are, are so desirous of just having the conversation that we're not willing to um, really get to the point. And so we try to, you know, and it's why I don't do a whole lot of, like, uh, lead up, like I did once upon a time, where trying to, um, I don't know, uh, jokes or anything. I mean, I still use the optical illusion tracks, to try to get into a conversation, but with most people, I'm just like, you know, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about what's going to happen when you die? What do you think about religion? What do you think? And I immediately just get to the, the driving point of the conversation. So all this to say, um, let's not be Donald Trump's. Let's not do anything that um, makes us absolutely deserving of being punched in the face. But let's really um, be willing to get to the point that might get us punched in the face. You know, I mean, again, I don't think telling a Mormon or a Muslim or, you know, Joel Osteen or a false teacher or an atheist, telling them that they're wrong is absolutely disrespectful. But I'm not saying that they may not take it that way and want to punch you in the face. I mean, I've seen Ray Comfort. People have swung at him. Um, and I'm pretty sure people have taken swings at, at Jeff Durbin and James White and so on. I'm sure they've, they've experienced it. I uh, pity the fool who takes a swing at Jeff Durbin. Um, but, you know, being willing to, and again, it's what I say all the time, because that's kind of the, the concept behind you know, the supposed words that I do not believe that St. Francis of Assisi said these words, but the, the concept that people are like, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Um, that's a, it's, it's a cop-out. It's a, 
a fear of man. I don't want to actually say something that might offend somebody and maybe I'll just let them see the way I, I live and hope that that will drive them to the point that they want to know about why I live the way I live. That doesn't happen. Um, you know, I don't want to immediately get into a um, confrontational conversation with somebody. I want to, you know, just be real cordial and, um, you know, lead up to uh, the confrontation with little bits of, of honey or what, it, I don't know, I, I want to make that analogy, but we, we just, there's a fear of man that we don't want to and we, we, we can lose an opportunity or we can, I really feel like uh, we can really um, cause somebody to walk away feeling like they, um, they still are in some kind of truth when they're not. Maybe that makes sense. But, so, I've talked way too long about all of this stuff. So, again, just, and, and I really do. If you're listening and you think I'm wrong, I really want to see your comments. I really want to hear your comments. Um, and, again, I've, I've heard and I'm, you know, uh, like, like I said, the, the conversation Logan and I on, in, the, in the truck on the way back from the temple, we talked and, and I can see where he's coming from. I just, I don't know that I agree with, with where he's coming from. Um, he may be right and I may be wrong. Um, but I really feel that the, the bottom line of any attempt at evangelism is to get to the crux of the issue. Um, you know, to really get to the point and, and I, I just don't, I don't see the use in finding things that we have in common with Mormons when the things that we do not have in common are so uh, dangerous for them. Um, I think it, it's a, I think we do them a disservice when we don't get to uh, the heart of the, I hate to say the heart of the matter, but the heart of the matter um, immediately or as quickly as possible. So there you go. Don't be a jerk like Donald Trump. Don't do anything that's going to get you punched in the face um, by Ice-T Ice or anybody else, um, especially not Jeff Durbin. You don't want to be punched in the face by Jeff Durbin. Um, but as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.